Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. They don't see me as a, like a strong, independent woman. They see, oh, poor thing. And that's not it. That's not it at all. Hi, beautiful people. Hi, beautiful people. Today we are talking to Precious Perez. She is a singer-songwriter born in Massachusetts, and she has been blind since birth. So hi, Precious. Hi. Before we get started, uh, we do want to acknowledge that right now we're in the middle of the riots and everything going on with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Could you give me your perspective on maybe when you even realized race as a concept and how it feels to have to conceptualize that as someone that obviously wouldn't naturally move through the world assessing people by that? Um, I think I'm trying, because it's, it's interesting because I've never thought about it. Really? Um, it's, okay. It's, like, it's not something I've ever really thought about, like, oh, wow, black and white, because, you know, there, I'm not, somebody that has ever had sight and I've never been curious about how people look like really <laughs> I I I have body image issues myself because it, it ties into like I can't see myself and I can't compare myself to anything else so when people make comments about my body or my or me or the way that I look I I already have anxiety, so I will fixate on those things and like question them and question myself. And it's, it's a whole thing. Mm. But when it comes to other people, I, I really genuinely like don't care. I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter what you look like as long as your heart's good. If your heart's ugly, then I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, I just don't think about looks. Like I've had people ask me like, do you want to feel my face? Okay, that's that's the first stereotype that I will say. <laughs> we do not do that unless it's a partner or like, mm. you know, I we don't we don't actually do that when we meet people. That's that's a little invasive and kind of weird. Yeah, I was gonna say let's get into some of the weeds of these misconceptions and everything. Thank you so much for your perspective on what's going on right now. It's very beautiful. I know that it's a complicated very interesting issue when you're coming from a church background oh yeah because you were also talking about people praying for you to have sight and you saying I don't even want to see so can you relay a little bit about that story that you told me about what it's like to have people lay hands on you without your consent so I think the first experience I had with that was when I went to my great-grandfather who is you know he's now in heaven but he um he was a pastor in a pentecostal church and 
I remember I was kind of in the kids area, like enjoying my Easter egg. I don't know. I think it was Easter and I was about mm-hmm. five years old. And then I had to go downstairs. You know, my mom said, you gotta come downstairs. And so I went downstairs and well, the next thing I know, everybody's hands are on me. There's hands on my back, on my head, like on my eyes and, you know, people screaming and like praying and like, hallelujah. And I'm just going, uh, what's happening? Cause I'm a kid and I'm like, this is weird. Like what, what is going on? Like, I'm fine. I don't understand what's oh, happening. Um, and I think a lot of the time is, you know, disabled people get told, oh, they're, they mean well, they're just trying to be nice. Just let them do what they're going to do. But I don't think that's appropriate because if it were somebody doing something to somebody else that wasn't right, or, you know, touching them without consent, you don't just let them do that because they mean well or whatever. Um, I think there's a way to acknowledge like, Hey, that's not appropriate. Let me educate you on what you should and can do. And let me give you a little bit of insight. Like I prefer to approach it where I can educate somebody and you know, I'm a human and some days I don't want to, some days I just want to scream and be like, leave me alone. I'm on my way. I have something to do. Like, you know, we all have our bad days and you know, we can't all be an ambassador for the community all the time. And that's a lot to carry, but I personally like to educate because my thing is there's still so much ignorance around disability and around blindness specifically still prevalent in society and in a lot of spaces. And so if we don't educate, people just aren't going to know better. And, um, you know, it's true in the church too. Like a lot of disabled people that I've spoken to and in the community have had issues with inclusivity in church, whether church have made you feel unwelcome or it's made them feel like, you know, it's not accessible. You know, some of them have those, those screens where you, the lyrics pop up on the screens and we, blind people can't read those. Um, and you know, the whole, uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack as far as, you know, people in church go because Christians are taught, you know, that disability is something to be pitied that disability is something that needs to be fixed, that's broken, that God's going to heal all of these people and all of us. Like I've had people stop in stores and pray for me and tell me that I would see in 24 hours because that was what God wanted or that Jesus would heal me or. And then you don't have enough faith because you didn't get healed. Yeah, I, it's very interesting. Um, I've never had the negative end of that, but it's always people pitying me or thinking that I'm incapable of doing something or just living my life or thinking that I'm absolutely amazing for microwaving a plate of food or carrying a bowl of soup down the stairs. It's, it's wild. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I don't blame them too much because what, you know, when you don't know any better, what are, what else are you supposed to do? You take the knowledge that you have and you do with it what you can. But what bothers me are people that aren't willing to change their mindset and are just never going to understand. And, and, you know, that's the point where I have to recognize that and say, this isn't worth 
my time or my space because I can only give so much and I have to take care of myself too. And sometimes there are some people that are just never going to understand. Unfortunately, that has resolved in me having to cut, you know, love people from a distance. There's some family that I just can't associate myself with because of the way that they view me and they're always going to see me as a child and as somebody that's incapable and as somebody that can't live a full life. And that's not something I need to have around me. Um, I love them so much, but I just can't, I can't surround myself with that in any way, shape or form. And, you know, there's this whole thing where like, you know, family is family and you're obligated to treat them a certain way. And I just don't believe that. I think that if somebody is toxic to me and my well-being and my ability to be happy, then I'm not obligated to keep them in my circle. I just want to commend you so much for two points that you made in that. So we're starting to realize that even children deserve autonomy and deserve to tell us whether or not they feel safe or comfortable with people touching them or being touched. So I think it's just so important that you, as a faith-based person going into these spaces, you know, has the the courage and tenacity, which you shouldn't have had to do, but like, thank you for standing in that gap to say, I deserve to have consent over who's touching my body, even if it's prayer hands, you still have to ask. I think that's so important. And then also your points of like, yes, family is blood. And, you know, but I feel the same way, especially with like, LGBTQ audience and people with mental health issues, all of it, if you're being alienated or mistreated by anyone that is your family, you have a right to put up boundaries that are healthy for you without worrying whether, you know, how that's going to affect the person that has been hurting you, even if they had, quote, good intentions. So how did it, was it a journey to get to that place where you not only realized you had a right to believe those things, but that you had a right to impart those truths to other people? I think my mom has really been, you know, my biggest role model and my biggest rock ever since I was born because, you know, she had me when she was 15. So she was a single mom for basically my entire life until my, you know, my stepdad came into the picture and, you know, all of that. But she was who raised me and she always taught me like you're not gonna be different than other people you're gonna grow up like everyone else you're gonna do the things that everyone else does and you're gonna do what makes you happy and you know she always told me as far as you know anything goes with family or anything like that you know you it's your decision what you need to do for yourself what a wonderful woman who raised this woman she's wonderful (laughs) Jennifer Alvarez, shout out to mom. (laughs) Shout out mom. (laughs) But yeah, she's fantastic. And like, she's very strong, very independent. And I think I got a lot of that from her because, you know, she raised me to not take any kind of anything from anyone and just do what I have to do and go out there and just kind of live what I, the life I wanted to live. So can I ask you, well, you've already given me permission to ask you how you would prefer people to be um approaching you and treating you because we talked again in our pre uh conversation about how so many of us are taught that someone you know with blindness for example is someone to be pitied and you kind of walk up to them and you're like 
guy, you know, and do that whole thing. Yeah. Like, I can only imagine how infuriating and tiresome that must be. So if that's not the approach, it's like, what is the approach? So I think the best is to just, you know, we're people before anything else. Like we are, right. we are equals despite what society has taught everybody. Um, we are just as capable, whether you're blind, whether you're in a wheelchair, whether you do anything like that, we have adaptive ways of doing things and we do things differently, but that doesn't mean that we can't do things. Um, and so I think the best thing to do is just like not even, it doesn't need to be acknowledged unless there's something where like you need help or you want to figure out if somebody needs your help going somewhere and say like, hey, like what's the best way to help you? You know, is, is do you need help with anything? And just asking the questions, you know, don't be afraid to ask. And also blind isn't a bad word. Like mm, yeah. pe people think that the word blind is like an, oh no, you can't call it what it is. No, that's what it is. Like yeah. people are so afraid to say it. They'll, they'll, they'll find any way around it, find any other manner of words to string together to amount to the same thing because they think that it's a bad word. Like that I'm going to get offended if they call me what I am. <laughs> so yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying the word blind. Um, you know, there are some people that prefer visually impaired. Some people have low vision. So they, you know, they're low vision. They have some vision and not a lot. Like there's so many degrees. So I can only speak to my personal experience and the way that I do things. Um, and that's another misconception. Like people think that like when you say blind, you're totally blind or whatever that, you know, sometimes people assume that because you're blind, you're deaf too. And some people are, don't oh, get me no. wrong. But not everybody is. So they just <laughs> go yelling at from, you. <laughs> you know, they see Helen Keller and they think, oh, wow, so everybody's that way. Mm. Um, so I don't think any kind of assumption is good um, because there are so many people on the spectrum and varying degrees of vision, varying degrees of doing things. There's no one way. There's no one, like, you know, person that's going to be the same as anybody else because, like, everyone, nobody's the same. Um, so I think probably just to, you know, it's, it's just to treat us like normal people say, Hey, how are you? You know, you can say like, I'm putting out my hand because sometimes it's super awkward. Like you'll stick out your hand to shake it and somebody's not, their hand isn't out or the hand is full and you don't know. And you're like, Oh, so it's oh. awkward, <laughs> but like, it's fine. It's no big deal. Like I'll be the first person to make blind jokes because I feel like it breaks the ice, but it makes people so uncomfortable. And I'm like, guys, if I'm laughing, you should be laughing. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but it makes them so uncomfortable. Um, uh, sense like, of humor is so disarming and it, it really is such a beautiful yeah. invitation. I, I love the, the notion that you can disarm people that way. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some things not to do? <laughs> you say don't lay hands on, don't, you know. Definitely know. don't just assume you know where somebody's going because there are people that like I've crossed the street and I'm going to turn away and they're like, no you're going this way. And I'm like, actually, no, I'm going this way. Oh, like, you don't know where I'm going. So please stop. Um, also, I've had people like, grab my arm or like, I'm standing at a street corner and I'm waiting to cross because, you know, people think that um, some people have like honked their horns at me to like indicate to go. And that helps 
not at all. Like, um, or they'll tell me it's safe to cross. And as soon as they tell me that a car zooms through the intersection in front of me and I'm like, yeah, no. So I don't, you know, I have alternative techniques. I was, I went to training and I took, you know, special classes for orientation mobility for exactly that reason to learn how to analyze traffic by hearing and like use traffic lights and stuff like that. So like, I'm more cautious than anything else, but I've had people like insist on grabbing my arm or like helping me across and it's, it's fine, but you can't touch people. You just can't. That's not, (laughs) that's not okay. If you can't, if you can't touch somebody that's sighted, you can't touch somebody that's blind. You can't touch somebody that's in a wheelchair. You cannot just put your hands on people for any reason, unless they let you do that, unless you ask if we need help and we say, yes, can I take your arm or something? And even now with like COVID-19, I don't want to take somebody's arm. (laughs) So I think just being mindful of boundaries and the fact, like, again, it comes down to us being people. We're not like, you know, some people look down on us like we're children. That's called infantilization. They think that we're children. Like they talk down to us like we're children. They think we're not capable of being sexual beings of, having children, of having jobs, of living lives where somebody isn't taking care of us day and night, like somebody always has to be with us or something, it's insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really just stems from so much ignorance because, you know, you don't see portrayals of that in, in media of blind people living full lives of doing things like anyone else would. You don't see that in movies. Um, you know, people were raised to not ask questions, you know, kids ask questions. Sometimes the parents would be like, Shh, don't say that. Don't ask that. That's not okay. No, yeah. ask all the questions. I'd rather, like, I personally would rather answer the ignorant questions than have people wonder and assume the wrong thing. Like, yes. ask away. I'll answer all day long. Like, I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very interesting. Um, the way I wonder that though, react. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective. I wonder if a good first question to ask is like, can I ask you questions? Is that an okay question to ask? Yeah, like you're talking about you shouldn't have to walk around 24 seven being an advocate for the entire, you know, and sometimes people just think it's okay to ask personal questions like, oh, how did you lose your sight? And like, I'm personally really open. So I don't care. But there are people that don't want to answer those questions all the time. So I think Mm -hmm. it's important to just be like, hey, are you cool with me asking you some questions? Because I just want to learn more. Like, that's totally cool. Like, I think people would appreciate that more than, oh, so how were you, how'd you lose your sight? Do you believe in God? Do you think that God's going to, like, because then that, that opens the door for these, all these questions. And this person's just trying to, like, get home or trying to, like, you know, they've had a long day, who knows what they've gone through, and now they're getting bombarded with questions about their disability, when that's the last thing they want to deal with right now. So I think approaching it in a very open way, and just, you know, we're people like anyone else. I think people are afraid of offending, and that's that's understandable, but also you're not going to know if you don't ask. Yeah. Can I ask too, Christian woman to Christian woman? Yes. You're theological stance on this we have these these verses and stories of jesus going out and healing the blind and sick and um and then jesus leaves and he says you will do greater things than me i believe i know what that means now in a very different way than i used to but i understand that 
most Christians will take that and say, so that means we're going to perform these miracles that I too will walk on water. And therefore there's this imperative to quote heal what we perceive Mm -hmm. to be broken. So just what is your theological stance on all of that? How can we help educate churches so they stop approaching people in this way? Yeah. So I think it's interesting because the Bible can definitely be interpreted in in many different ways. And some people choose to interpret it in a way that can be weaponized. And some people choose it to, you know, justify whatever they they personally believe as individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, my personal belief on all of this is that, you know, as far as I go, I was made and put on this earth exactly the way I am. I'm supposed to be here exactly the way I am to leave the world a better place than when I found it and to use the gifts that I've been given to amplify the good and to glorify God through those gifts that I've been given. Um, You know, I think it's an unpopular opinion because that's not, I guess, directly, you know, a lot of people would say not what the Bible says. It says, you know, Jesus will heal, you know, these are miracles that if the blind can see and this, that, and the other. And yeah, yeah, I I think it's meant to say that Jesus is all, you know, God is all powerful. God can do all things. But if we're all fearfully and wonderfully made and we're made in God's eyes and God's vision and God's love, then he doesn't make mistakes. Me being blind on this earth in this moment isn't a mistake. Somebody else in a wheelchair, somebody else with any other disability on this earth is not a mistake. And, you know, if uh, the way that I look at it, if I was meant to be healed, it would have happened already. And maybe I am meant to be, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. None of us know that. None of us have any answers to the things that we're completely curious about, about death, about anything. Yeah. But... I'm not banking on the fact that, oh, maybe one day God will give me my sight back. Because, you know, I understand it's different for people that have lost their vision in the middle of life. That's a completely different thing. I never had it, so I can't miss it. And, you know, I know people who have never had vision but are curious to see what it would be like. And that's cool, too. Like, everybody's got their own perspective. I personally think that my life is perfect the way it is. I'm happy and I wouldn't have had half the opportunities that I have today if it weren't for me being blind. Um, And I think that I'm meant to do something with what I've been given here. And um, I think that's part of who I am and it's always gonna be part of who I am. And um, my fiance is actually blind as well. And, you know, this is a journey that we're on together of, you know, performing and using music to kind of just debunk misconceptions without having to even say anything. I did want to talk to you next about these opportunities that you're speaking of, because you're talking about how you're getting educated at a specific institution, and you're really having to educate them on how to best uplift and help you in in the process of learning because they weren't used to a blind person being in the program correct yeah so i go to berkeley college of music in boston and you know it's one of the 
the top music school, contemporary music school in the country, all those good things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I come from a low-income background, so literally the only thing keeping me there is scholarships, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for, you know, you know, I come from, you know, multiple minorities, you know, being Hispanic, being a woman, being blind, having mental health issues, all those things. But the first thing that people see is blindness. You know, that's the physical thing. It's the thing people look at right when they see me, they see the white cane. They're like, oh, wow, she's blind. Or the, the young kids will say, wow, your eyes are weird. Wow. Or like, man, you're scary. Or like, what happened to your eyes? And like, I used to get offended by that, but now I'm just kind of like, well, I'm going to be a music educator. I better get used to answering these questions. Oh, man. Um, so... Berkeley has um, an assistive technology lab that is dedicated to blind students and helping blind students. Um, it's run by a professor named Chi Kim, who is also blind, and he is fantastic. Um, so that was one of the really ma- big reasons that I did choose Berkeley was because I knew that I would have the resources to succeed and learn how to use all this music software and do all these things, and that I would have a support system. Um, the thing that I wasn't prepared for was music education at Berkeley because I I was doing music education and performance. So those two majors combined and the music education department had never had a blind student come through before. Mm -hmm. So I applied, I had an interview, um, but they met with disability services twice before the interview. So I was kind of wondering about that and why it had taken so long for me to get the interview. Mm. Um, and during the interview, a lot of the faculty were like, well, how are you going to manage a classroom? How are you going to adapt these things? And I was saying, well, I don't know because I'm not the teachers. Y'all are teaching me how to do this and we will figure out ways on how to adapt it together because I don't have the answers to all of that because I've never had to do it before. Wow. And um, I just remember like the very first time I met with the chair of the department ever when I was a freshman, it was my first semester before I was allowed to declare and all that. And he was like, you know, this is a lot of work, right? Like, do you have people that can help you? Like, are they going to be able to help you with transportation? I was like, yeah. I'm aware. I know exactly what I need and what I can do. And, you know, in my head, I was going, you have no idea who you're talking to. Because <laughs> I'm sassy. And I, <laughs> I, I know when to turn it off, but I really was tempted. <laughs> and, you know, now everything's fine. Like, the department is wonderful. The, prof- the professors have all been wonderful. And the chair is wonderful. Like, everybody's, you know, it, it came with me having to prove myself, I think, and having to show them that hey, I, I'm resourceful. I have been raised and taught by a wonderful team of teachers and my mom to learn how to advocate and to learn exactly what I need and how to get that done. Um, and I know what resources to go to for it. And by doing that, it has showed them like, wow, like I'm learning as an educator. And, you know, this person really can do the things that we didn't realize she could do or that, you know, we weren't sure about. And, you know, we're all still learning together. So I'm no longer like feeling like I have to prove myself and I'm no longer worried about things because 
you know, I'm very open with all of them. They're very open with me on what they know and what they don't know. Um, and it's a really good, really good experience. And, um, you know, we had to work up to that, obviously. But this is just one example of, like, the real world advocacy. Like, it's been an uphill battle for me to get the things that I need and for me to, to, to get where I want to be. But it's paving the way for whoever else wants to pursue it after me. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, my goal as, you know, in this career, because I'm, I'm a performer as well, I'm a singer songwriter, and I obviously want to pursue that kind of career too. But if that doesn't work, and that doesn't usually pay the bills either, if it doesn't work, um, I want to be an educator. And you know, the common thing I get is, oh, so you're going to teach blind students. No, I mean, I'm not opposed to teaching blind students, but I want to teach everyone. I want to teach in a mainstream setting. I want to teach in a public school setting. And I want to use what I have and, you know, my differences to help educate the next generation, to help lift them up, to help spread diversity, and also to help them realize, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to, regardless of gender, race, sexual orientation, disability, anything. It doesn't matter. And oh, Yeah, how can the rest of us, advocate for you and people that are disabled. I think everything you're saying is really mind-blowing, just realizing the weight and the responsibility that's been put on you. But watching you rise to the challenge, I'm sure is so, not only impressive, but also so edifying for the department because that they will have your road that you've paved through this hard work um, because you were willing to do it with them and for them, but how can we move forward in the future in a way that does advocate for you before, you know, disabled person walks into that space? I think really just asking the questions, doing the research, talking to disabled people themselves, because I think a lot of what happens stems from assumptions and misconceptions. We have a really low employment rate because there's job discrimination. People think that disabled people and blind people can't do things, so we don't get jobs. Mm. They immediately discredit us because we're blind. Um, there are parents of blind children. Like, people think that blind children or that blind parents can't parent. So there have been people that have gotten their kids taken from them solely because they were told that they couldn't parent and people thought that they couldn't take care of their kids because they're blind. Oh my gosh. Is that there, is this a recent story or like, is this still This happening? is ongoing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's awful. crazy. And it's crazy because my fiance actually has a son and mm -hmm. you know, his son's mom is also blind. And like, there's just so many misconceptions about blind parents and parenting and this, that, and the other. And he's, you know, had to deal with those things too. Um, and you know, I, I think about it and I know that there's people out there that look at me and go, Oh wow. Like, how are you going to have a family? How are you going to have kids? Like, you're just a cute little, you know, blind girl. Like, they don't see me as, a, like, a strong, independent woman. They see, oh, poor thing. And that's not it. That's not it at all. Um, yeah, I can tell by talking to you for five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I think it's, like, there's, there's a lot there. There's the sass. You know, I always tell people, because I'm really loud, and so I go, I, they always go, well, can you quiet down a bit? I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just Puerto Rican, I can't help it, leave me alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot. And I think just keeping an open mind and educating um, and really learning from the people that know what they're, what, what they've dealt with. Um, I think that it's, it's hard because if you haven't met somebody who has a disability or who is blind or visually impaired or whatever, you wouldn't know what that's like. And it scares you. The thought of it scares everyone. It's like one of the worst fears of people in the U.S. going blind or being blind. It's, that's how bad it is. Like, there are these things that are like, we'll blindfold you and you'll know what it's like to eat blind or you'll like the bird box movie after the bird box movie like everybody was trying to do the bird box challenge and just put on a blindfold and try to do stuff that's not what our life is like we learn how to do things non-visually we have techniques and there are training centers and things like that there are ways that we learn how to adapt things so that we can do them safely and we can get the job done it's so uh, the the real the reality of blindness isn't oh let's just throw you into this and you're not going to know anything and you'll be terrified that's not how it works yeah and so just, that's that already perpetuates like the stereotypes yeah I I wanted to thank you for bringing that up because I've I just watched that bird box challenge I did not participate but it I never occurred to me until this moment how counterproductive that would be because all that does is show sighted people that being blind renders you not as capable in the world, which is the opposite yeah. message we should be giving at any given time about any person. Yeah, and there's, there's this really big organization that I'm heavily involved in. Um, it's called the National Federation of the Blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is an organization that's, it's run by blind people. Um, and it's, we, the whole tagline is live the life you want and, you know, transforming dreams into reality. And there's so much that the Federation does. They focus on legislature that will help advance, you know, there's, there's this act, um, 14C of the Fair Labor Standards Act that allows employers to pay workers with disabilities less than the minimum wage. What? Um, and that's still happening in some states and it hasn't been abolished. And so that's one of the things that have, that, that they work on. They work on, um, initiatives for students getting accessible materials in higher education. There are, um, resources for blind parents and stuff like that. There are, there's so many facets of that organization. We have a blind performing arts division. We have a blind lawyers division. There's all kinds of, um, initiatives and it's such a big organization and um that's another place to go for resources if if there's people who want to learn more and want to understand then go check out their website they have literature that you can read there's all kinds of information up there um videos speeches from past presidents and all these kinds of things there's a lot that you can learn from from that so um that's something that I'm really excited to be a part of because, you know, my passion also lies in um, helping blind students to reach their potential and, um, you know, really just helping other blind people who may not be on my level because, you know, there are people as there are on any spectrum who don't have the resources or the circumstances to have the same access that I've been lucky enough to have and that people have been, have fought for me 
to have. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have privilege in that way. It's really exhilarating to be a part of this kind of movement as well. Um, I really just want to lift up all of the communities that I represent with the platforms and the voice that I do have right now. I remember when I first saw your channel, I was like, wow, this woman is fantastic. Oh, like no. I just resonated so much because you were like, I'm a progressive Christian and yes, LGBTQ, yes, pos sex positive, yes, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Me too. How? Like it was just so refreshing to see that because, you know, people either view it as conservative or if you're a Christian, you're really conservative and you only have these particular views and I can't talk to somebody who's a Christian because they're going to shut me down for this, this, and this. But like, you know, Welcome I don't to the community. <laughs> yeah, like I just, I don't feel the need to like outwardly just be like, hi, how are you? I'm a Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. But like my, my whole thing is leading by example. And if, you know, if I get asked about my personal opinions and my beliefs, I'll, I'll d proudly and whatever, I'll say it. But I just really think it's important to just practice, like, especially coming from somebody who's a minority in, in a couple different ways, like, it's important to really just accept people where they are and to love everybody. And really loving means not judging. And we all judge, like, it's something that we can't, like none of us are perfect, but I really try to do my best to not judge other people because I know how it feels to be judged and to be, you know, underestimated and all of those things. So I really just try to practice every day to do the best that I can and kind of ask God, like, hey, can you help me figure out what it is I'm supposed to do here because I don't want to do the wrong thing. So <laughs> Uh, that, that humility and posture is so beautiful. I think that's the best we can all say right now. Like, people of faith look heavenward and stop and pause and just ask, what can I do? What is the best pathway forward? Yeah, because um, I'm also like, I'm super sensitive. So I feel everything, I take it in. And then sometimes mm -hmm. I put things on myself that I know I can't realistically carry. And I'm like, well, what more can I do? Especially with the events happening today. I'm like, I want to do everything. I want, I don't feel okay being happy if they're unhappy I don't feel right about this but also I think about it and I'm like well I also have to be okay if I want to help them fight I have to be okay and so it's this balance that I'm really struggling with because you know it's the whole you have to fill your cup before you can fill others and like you know having anxiety with depressive symptoms it's like I have to decompress and I have to look away for a little bit and catch my breath sometimes but does that make me a bad person for not just completely throwing myself into this yeah and I think it's just hard and I'm constantly like god what can I do like am I doing enough is this enough what more can I do please help me to just be supportive and you know I've been trying to reach out to friends and just make sure they're okay and like sharing everything that I can on social media that's informative and helpful and having hard conversations with people. It's, just, it's a lot. It's a lot to carry and I think it's very easy to get really, really overwhelmed. And so I think the best thing to do in those situations is just ask God, like, what, what, what is there that, that you can use me for? Amen. Beautiful. Precious. It's been so delightful talking to you. 
I really, really appreciate it. I'm so this so is glad super exciting. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I remember, I was like, she's probably not even gonna answer me. Like, I know these YouTubers are so busy. Like, but I think I thought about it a couple months ago, and I was like in the middle of school and stuff. I was like, I don't know, nah, I don't have time. It's okay, I don't have to do this. And then for some reason, like in the middle of a day, sometime during quarantine, I was like, something just told me, like, hey, you should do this again. I was like, okay, sure. And so I did, and then you answered, and I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, girl, that is that is true alignment, I believe, because I yeah. I don't ever want to give the impression I don't read emails. I, I do, but also a lot of them are novels, and I appreciate it so much. Um, but mm -hmm. I really do try to be guided by the Holy Spirit and figure out, you know, who I should be speaking to to help platform help amplify their voice their story whatever and yours was just like highlighted <laughs> I just saw yeah. it clear it's as so day. funny because like I I felt it I was like yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not gonna do this and I feel like God was just like girl just press the button just I love the button. <laughs> thank you for listening and the goddess great community has been asking me to speak about this for a really long time and you know, you can feel paralyzed when you're outside of these minority groups and think, oh, well, no one wants to hear my voice on it or there's nothing I can do. And that's just simply not true. Um, because we it's do empathy, have- Empathy, support, and just yeah. doing what you can and what you're able to is yeah. important. And just, you know, even just saying like, I'm here, what can I do? I stand with, you. That, that's really what matters. Mm-hmm. Do you want people to be able to contact you with questions or is that oh, overwhelming? Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay. <laughs> at, at precious underscore Puerto Rican 20. Um, <laughs> okay. My website has everything. It's got links to all of my social medias and that's uh, preciousperezmusica.com. So yeah, I love this, this openness and I would encourage anyone that has any questions, obviously come with humility and true, you know, inquisitiveness. Uh, and Precious is open, which is so wonderful. Thank you for standing in that gap for people that, you know, nobody has to stand in that gap. It's, it's, I know, a heavy burden to bear, and it's a lot of work. So I'm grateful that you're there, and um, I just want to thank you so much. We love you all. Love God you bless. All. Bendiciones.